This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath, everybody. We serve a God who is deserved of our worship. Let me welcome, welcome every worshiper here. Let me affirm and declare one more time that all the other gods of the nations are idols. But our God made the heavens and the earth. And he is deserved of our worship. Let me assure you that God has blessings in store. As was mentioned, today we'll commence our Bull Justice Year with our house meetings as part of our listening process. We have our 20 plus congregations all engaged in this process as it serves to inform and guide us as to the issue or issues that we'll be working on for the ensuing year. It is in these house meetings that we, we write the script and the agenda for our community problems assembly which is scheduled for the 25th of October. You know, for the past few years we've been working on three major issues. One being permanent supportive housing for the mentally ill, those who are homeless. We find that when they have supported, supportive housing, it helps with their healing and recovery. We've also been working on reducing on necessary arrest in the county, ensuring that our state attorney is using the diversionary program civil citation that's available for first time non-felony offenders so that folks don't end up with an arrest record. We're also working on an issue we call care for creation we're trying to ensure that Broward County, true to a pledge they made in 2004, will ensure that we're planting more canopy trees in the county as they serve to reduce heating in the county. But come on to our house meeting and you'll hear more about these issues. We meet at two. As was mentioned, lunch will be provided. A few of us have brought a few items, and uh, I have brought my, uh, my special uh, organic uh, vegan stew. It's a type of thing that if you eat it and you're Adventist, you'll remain Adventist, and if you're not Adventist, you'll become Adventist. But uh, join us. Join us in our house meetings this evening. In his book, Tuesdays with 
Murray, which is a memoir of sorts. Writer Mitch Album shares a series of visits, some 14 Tuesdays that he made to his former college professor, Maury Swartz. For 14 Tuesdays, he went to see this man who was diagnosed with ALS. As Swartz spent his final days of life. Tuesdays with Murray Album records the book as an old man, a young man, and life's greatest lesson. An old man, a young man, and life's greatest lesson. With each visit, Mitch understand or came to understand what really was important in life. With each visit, not only did he witness Murray's life ebbing away, but he also received from the dying man perennial principles of life. Murray tells him, the truth is, Mitch, once you learn how to die, you learn how to live. Once you learn how to die, you learn how to live. He learned from him how useful it would be to put a daily limit on self-pity. Just a few tearful minutes, then on with the day. He told him, don't cling to things because everything is impermanent. Maury shared with Mitch that the most important thing in life is to learn how to give out love and to let love in. You must understand, he told him, Mitch, that love is how you stay alive even after you are gone. In a recent interview with CBS, Mitch Album said that those visits with Murray awakened in him a strong sense of altruism. Those visits, he said, shifted his focus towards others-centeredness, others-centeredness. They helped him to grasp what really matters in life, that life is best lived when it's lived in service to others. Ours is a self centered culture, a culture where we embrace only that which suits us, only that which is convenient to us, only that which tickles our fancy. But the Word of God calls us and challenges us today to look beyond ourselves and look beyond our religiosity and reach towards what I'd like to call the weightier matters. Let us consider our focus text, Matthew 23 and verse 23. The New King James Version rendition says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy 
and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. This is the word of God, and I believe it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the movement of your spirit in the service thus far. And as we continue now with the study of your word, we pray that you will arrest every attention, remove every distraction, and use this feeble, mortal lips of clay to share words of truth, words of hope we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who have the red letter edition of Scripture of the Bible, you, you no doubt will see these words in red. They are the words of our Lord. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now, I want us to zoom out a bit and appreciate the setting here in this chapter. Jesus is in the final week of his ministry. Calvary is looming larger and larger. His mind is made up. He is going to lay down his life for sinners, some of whom will never accept or appreciate this gift of love. In chapter 21 of Matthew, Jesus enters Jerusalem amidst the fanfare of those who wanted to make him king. It's interesting that this very crowd who wanted to make him king on Sunday, by, by Friday, they had changed their minds. We find Jesus, after this triumphal entry, proceeding to the temple where he cleanses the temple by casting out the sellers and the hustlers and the money changers and rearranging, yea, overturning their stools and their stalls. Now, neighbor, this event, the cleansing of the temple, uh, serves as one of the precursors to his denouncing of the scribes and Pharisees in our chapter, chapter 23. In this chapter, chapter 23, our Lord uses, by some count, eight woes, eight woes to denounce the hypocrisy of these religious leaders. However, I do not want us to misinterpret these series of denunciations as Jesus losing his cool and becoming enraged. I don't want you, when you read these woes of Jesus in chapter 23 of Matthew, I don't want you to envision Jesus shaking his fist and being red in the face and being angry. No. His attitude even as he made these denunciations, was one of deep sorrow for these leaders. 
these leaders who are blind to God's truth and their own sins. It's for that reason we find Jesus in verse 37 of chapter 23 of Matthew. We find him weeping over Jerusalem. We find him weeping and saying, how many times I endeared myself to you. How many times I sought to bring you in, but you would not. You resisted all of my charms. And so when you, we read these woes, don't envision Jesus shaking his fist and being all red-faced. No, he's saying so with deep sorrow, with deep regret knowing that he did everything he could to save them. You know, dear friends, as powerful as God is, God will not save you without your permission. Let me say it again. God will not save you without your permission. In other words, God will not save you without you. It's very interesting how Jesus begins in the chapter. And so in verse 1 of Matthew 23, on to verse 4, listen to how he begins. The Bible says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Whose seat? in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. This neighbor is a textbook illustration of do as I say and not as I do. You will notice that as a preface to his denunciation, of their hypocrisy, Jesus brings attention to the fact that their lives were inconsistent with their exalted profession of righteousness, that their lives were inconsistent with their sanctimonious pronouncements and expectations of others. Simply put, these leaders they could talk the talk, but not walk the walk. They could talk the talk, but not walk the walk. Hey, neighbor, as people of faith, God has called us not only to talk the talk, but to walk our talk. And so it's important to bear this in mind. As Jesus gives these denunciations that he's highlighting the fact that they are inconsistent. That on the one hand, they profess righteousness. On the one hand, they profess they have all this sanctimony, but on the other hand, 
They're not practicing what they are preaching. And so we find this fifth woe of our Lord. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weight of matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Note that Jesus tags them. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them what? He calls them what? Hypocrites. And when you read the, the chapter, you'll find, as per the King James Version, that he uses this tag some seven times. He uses this tag to punctuate the eight woes. He calls them hypocrites. Now, in the Greco-Roman world, in the Greco-Roman culture, in the Greek culture, the word hypocrite was used for a stage actor. It was used for someone who was performing. And what they would do, they would wear a large mask over their faces, a mask that represented the character they were playing, while their true self was beneath the mask. And so a hypocrite was someone who was simply playing a role. I want you to observe the intentionality there in the definition. You see, a hypocrite is not someone who stumbles and falls. No, no, no. A hypocrite is not someone who is struggling with a weakness. No, no, no. A hypocrite is not someone who is still growing in the Lord. No, no, no. A hypocrite is someone who intentionally is just acting and giving the impression as if they are who they really are not. And I fear that sometimes we create a culture in church that is conducive to hypocrisy. Listen to me carefully. We create a culture where we come to church not as worshipers, but as spectators. And we expect that the persons who are leading out in worship, that they should be performers. And as such, as performers, we want them to be flawless. We expect them to be perfect. And sometimes because they expect perfection from spectators, they come up and they only put on a show. They put on the mask. Because if the spectators would see who they really are, they would be turned off from the show. But you see, when the worshiper comes to church to worship God, 
Then he comes, she comes, not as a spectator, but he comes and she comes to experience the presence of God. And so he or she, watch this, is not distracted by the imperfection of the person leading out. You don't get this. Because they understand that the leaders in worship, they are sinners just like themselves, saved by grace. And I thank God, Elder Nick, that we are seeking to encourage in the plantation church an atmosphere where people can be who they are. And every Sabbath, we want you to check your mask at the door. Hypocrisy is not accidental. Hypocrisy is intentional. You see, when when I come before God, I don't need to pretend. He knows who I am, false and all, and he still loves me. (laughs) And so Jesus says, you guys, you're just acting. You guys are not sincere. You guys, you have put on a mask to deceive the people, to give the impression as if you're holy, you're sanctimonious, to give the impression as if you're perfect. But beneath that mask lies the truth, and it's not pretty. Neighbor, today, by the grace of God, remove your mask You are among friends. You are in the presence of God. Keep it real. Jesus says, you pretend. He says, for for you pay tithe of, of mint and anise and cumin and at first blush, it would, one would get the impression that Jesus had a problem with them returning tithe. No. Tithing was an integral part of the law according to Leviticus uh, 27 and verse 30 and Deuteronomy 14 and verse 22. But watch this. You see, Pastor Nugent, in pointing out that these leaders returned tide from mint and anise and cumin, which were spices and herbs, Jesus was highlighting how scrupulous and meticulous they were in their tithing. Think about it. Bash the mic. Returning tithe from mint, anise, and cumin. Another, another word for anise is dill. Think about how meticulous one has to be that on the Friday evening, you're making up your tithe receipt or envelope, and you get your mint, and you have to determine what one-tenth of that mint is, what one one-tenth of the anise is and the cumin is. These herbs, they were so meticulous, 
Talk about attention to details. You know, sometimes some folks can be annoyingly detailed. <laughs> now, now, don't get it twisted. Uh, I want my accountant to be detailed. Come on, say amen. <laughs> but, but, some, but sometimes being, being, being detailed and quibbling over every stroke, and, and sometimes it can be annoying. So, Jesus says, these you ought to have done. In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't have an issue with you returning tithe because you should. The issue is, you give such careful attention to that while neglecting the weightier matters, namely justice and mercy, and faith. The issue is you are completely ignoring one area of the law at the expense of the other. The fact is, Jesus says, you should be doing both with justice and mercy and faith being the priorities. And I want you to observe how Jesus, he drives home the point with the use of this hyperbole, with the use of exaggeration. Look at verse 24. Jesus drives home the point. He says, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, now let, me ex let me help you to appreciate this. The Jews were very careful about impurities, about things that could, 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 could uh, contaminate whatever they would be eating or drinking. And so, and so, if a gnat, a gnat got into some water or some wine that they would be trying to or about to consume, they would sieve or strain out that gnat. Because God forbid that they should swallow that gnat in the drink, they become impure. And so Jesus says, watch this, you guys will strain out a gnat, yet you swallow a camel. Do you get it? You are so careful to, to identify a gnat in your drink. But there's a whole camel standing up in your mug and you're gulping it down. Do you get it? In other words, Jesus was saying they were majoring in minors by straining out a gnat and minoring in majors by swallowing a camel. They were majoring in minors by straining out a gnat, while minoring in minors by minoring in majors by swallowing a camel. They gave meticulous, scrupulous attention to small details while neglecting the weightier matters of justice, mercy, and faith. Now. I want you to understand this, that these leaders, the Pharisees and scribes, they were not just religious leaders. 
they were not just religious leaders, but they were also political leaders. You see, the Romans, who were the occupying force, gave them a certain degree of autonomy. As long as they, the Jewish leaders, kept would-be messiahs and self-proclaimed deliverers in check, then they had autonomy. They could enjoy such autonomy as long as any aspiring seditionist or anarchist was discouraged and kept at bay. And so these leaders, watch this, they had some degree of political power. Here was the problem. Some of them would leverage their position and power for selfish gain. Stay with me. They would use their position and power to take advantage of the disadvantage. They would use their position and power to feather their own nest at the expense of the poor. Interestingly, Jesus, in verse 14 of our chapter, Jesus says that these leaders devoured widows' houses. Verse 14, they devoured widows' houses. You know it, Pastor Mike, according to Exodus 22, 22, widows and orphans were protected by the law. However, this did not deter these rapacious rascals from persuading affluent widows to donate their property to the church so that they could use it for their own advantage. When a woman's husband died, they would go not only to comfort her, but to see how they could get her property from her. Under the skies, you know, sister so-and-so, I think your dearly departed husband would have loved you to give the property to the church. And once it became the church's property, they would take advantage. Or they would use it for their advantage. You know, long before Jesus pronounced this woe, the prophet Isaiah had declared in Isaiah 10, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah 10, verses 1 and 2, the prophet says, Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune which they have prescribed. And watch this, verse 2, to rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. So while they were meticulously following the law in the area of tithing, Jesus says, they failed to manifest justice, mercy, and faithfulness these things that were also demanded by the law. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear that justice and mercy and faith 
are the weightier matters of the law. Justice, ensuring that you treat, Jesus says, people fairly, that you treat people equitably, that you do not take advantage of the disadvantage. Justice, that you don't have one standard for the rich and well-connected and a different standard for the poor and disconnected. Amen. Justice. I can't believe it's been 40 years now since I did that book, Animal Farm, in high school 40 years ago. George Orwell. And in the book, Animal Farm, he tells, it's a, it's a fiction, he tells the story of some animals who got together and they had a coup d'etat and got rid of the farmer and decided that they, as animals, they would now be in charge of the farm. The pigs were the ones who had led the rebellion, and so they became the natural leaders. The rallying cry of the coup at the time was, all animals are equal. That was the rallying cry as they got rid of the farmer. After the farmer left, and the animals were now in charge with the, king, with the pigs being entrenched in leadership, the pigs added a change or placed an addendum to the charge. You see, the charge that had led the rebellion said, all animals are equal. After the pigs got in charge, they changed it to say, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. There's something about some of us who the only way we can see life is if we take advantage of others. Jesus says that matters of justice are weightier matters. Jesus says that you and I, we must not stay silent and stop our ears amidst the deafening sounds of injustice. Jesus says that we do not take a head-in-the-sand approach. It's not only ineffective, but Jesus says it's wrong. Weightier matters. Justice. For Jesus, justice is heavy. For Jesus, mercy is heavy being compassionate towards those in need, not just in need of things, but those in need of forgiveness, those in need of restoration. Mercy towards the widow. Mercy towards the stranger. Mercy towards the debtor. For Jesus, mercy is heavier. For Jesus' faith, or faithfulness, or fidelity to your promises is heavier. Being true to your word, fidelity to God, fidelity to your family, fidelity to your neighbor, Jesus says that these are weightier matters. 
as I close, let me close with a trick question. It's a trick question. Ready for it? Which is heavier, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? Huh? Which is heavier, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? Right? They're both a? They're both a ton, right? I mean, you, you hear feather and you hear bricks, and your brain may go to, well, bricks are heavier, but, but, but the operative word there is what? Ton, right? That a ton of bricks and a ton of feather, they weigh the same. But let me ask you this. Which has more density, feathers or bricks? Huh? Bricks, right? Uh, well, I don't mean to have physics, high school physics here. <laughs> but in terms of density, right, 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 what bricks have more density than feathers. But in terms of volume, which, which, which will take up more volume, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? Certainly feathers, right? Yes, you did pay attention to high school physics. You see, in our verse... Jesus places on one side of the scale mint, anise, and cumin, while on the other side of the scale he places justice, mercy, and faith. And Jesus says, justice is heavier than mint. Jesus says, mercy is heavier than anise. Jesus says, faith is heavier than cumin. But I ask the question, to which do we give more weight? Our sermon is, or the things that really impact the lives of others. Long before Jesus made this denunciation in Matthew's Gospel, the prophet Micah had proclaimed in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, and I'm using the King James Version. That's the version I did learn it in. It says, He had shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? With all our religiosity, with all the things that we do, and they may, import, they, they may be important, but Jesus says, the Word of God says, here are the important things. Here are the weightier matters to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Today, I challenge us as a church towards... As Mitch Album says in his book, Tuesdays with Murray, I challenge us towards a church, towards others-centeredness. Others-centeredness. 
so many times we're just concerned about what happens within our four walls. What happens among us when we get together at potluck? What happens when we get together in our meetings, but we're not concerned about those poor souls beyond our walls? And Jesus says to us as a church that what is heavier is justice, mercy, and faith. And praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing that with us. We're going to ask the congregation to please stand up as we sing our closing song together, Seeking the Lost. Let us reach out and not care about ourselves, but care about reaching out and sharing that gospel to those who don't know who the Lord is.
As was pointed out in our announcements today, that we have ensured and we have done our best to provide various ways in which you can get involved. You can become others' focus. We believe that it's not just about us meeting every week in this building. It's important to worship God. It's important for us to encourage faith. But more important is for us to take what God has blessed us with and share it with those who don't know. Don't know. Recently, I was reminded of what a blessing it is to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I had to go to a new a new specialist and I'm counting now it's this is the second time since I've been over 50 that I'm going to specialist <laughs> I'm counting and you know there's always the sign up right there's a sheet you know it's there's even that question have you thought about killing yourself in the last few? You know, are you sad? You know, you know. And do you drink? No. Do you smoke? No. Do you? You go through it. And, and, and the receptionist is going through to ensure that I've checked the boxes. And, and she looks up at me and she says, Wow, is it that you stopped drinking? You're 50. Is it that you stopped drinking? I said, I've never drank. Uh, you stopped? No, I've never. Really? You're 54 of them. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. She said, wait a minute. I said, no, it's, it's my faith. It's my faith. And she was intrigued by that. You see, you can be in church so long that you take for granted the difference that salvation has made in your life. And you think that everybody else is like, no, no, no. You see, there are folks who are hungry and dying for what you have. Yes. I want to share my faith with somebody. Amen. My own, with what God has blessed me with, my own gifts, my own talents. And it's the reason, as I mentioned before, we, we, we have varied ministries that you can get involved in. It's not one size fits, fits all because God wants to use your gifts, use your talents, use the experiences that He has given to you to speak into the life of somebody. And sometimes, friend, it is just a one sentence. It's just that pleasant conversation you have with the, well, they're few and far between now, and now it's all self-checkout. But it's, it's, it's with that, that, that checkout clerk at Walmart. It's that, it's, that, it's, it's that one conversation that you have with him or her that, you, that God can use you to speak into that person's life. Yes. You just need to be open for it. Listen, folks. God did not 
bring you to Jesus just for you to sit in church. God brought you to Jesus so that he can use your gifts and your talents and your Rolodex, the people you know, to connect them to him. And so I want to challenge you. Won't you be used by God? Be used by him. Get involved in one of the many ministries. And if there's a ministry that we don't have and you have an idea about it, talk to us as leaders and we can get it going. Because it's about others-centeredness. Perhaps you're here watching and you have not yet known the joy of full surrender to Jesus, not yet given your life to Him. We'd like to pray for you and with you. Just raise your hand, not yet committed to Him. We'd like to pray with you and for you. Or perhaps you once walked with Him. Even online, you can indicate we have a button right there, an option right there. Just click next steps. We'll get in touch with you. In prayer, Father, we thank you for your words. And Lord, we confess that there have been times when, when we've shuddered at the thought that, that we are minoring in majors and majoring in minors. Oh, Lord, forgive us and help us to give priority to that which you give priority. Help us to concern ourselves with what you call Jesus the weightier matters. I pray for that person here, that person watching online and who will watch in the near future. That person who has not yet made a decision for Jesus. But Lord, through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, will speak to their heart and help them to know the joy of full surrender. We leave this place, but never your presence. Rest, remain, and abide with us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you'd like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.